Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. I wanted to share this. God dropped this into my spirit this morning uh, that uh, he wants to reveal to us some things today. And we'll get into the big part of the message here uh, as we go. But uh, the first thing that uh, I wanted to impart has to do with the names of God. The names of God reveal uh, the will of God, the nature of God. And uh, when God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1, he revealed himself as Elohim, the supreme lawgiver, the supreme creator. Uh, But then uh, when he began the relationship with Adam and Eve, he revealed himself as Yahweh. So first it's Elohim, but now when man enters the picture, he reveals himself as Yahweh. And Yahweh is the transcendent name of God uh, that connects us to the mercies of God. Elohim connects us to the laws and the structure and the statutes and the ways of God. Uh, But Yahweh connects us to the love of God and the grace of God, and the mercies of God. And that reveals something to us in terms of our relationship with the Lord. Yes, there needs to be law and order. And God is a law and order God. And uh, the laws and the order are defined in the Bible. But beyond that, when we're developing a personal relationship with the Lord... Uh, it needs to be founded on, okay, yeah, uh, in one way, law and order, doing it God's way. But beyond that, the deeper and the more emotional and intimate connection has to do with God's love. Amen. His mercies, his grace. Israel found themselves in a real difficult situation uh, following the sin of the golden calf. And God was going to wipe out Israel. Uh, They had been complaining ever since Passover, right? I see all these miracles, and yet I'm still complaining. I'm still bellyaching, and yet I see all these miracles. What a lesson for anyone today. When the goodness of God and the love of God, His salvation and deliverance is made manifest in our lives, that should decrease the amount of belly aching and increase the amount of praise the Lord! <laughs> Amen. And, uh, and so God says to Moses, I've had it with these people. I'm going to get rid of all of Israel and start over. Yikes. What an a, uh, amazing statement. Uh, But Moses interceded in prayer, and that's why I wanted to do the prayer portion uh, of today. We always meet at 8.30 for early morning prayer, and you're so faithful for being a part. But I wanted to put this on uh, the recording, the podcast, and so on, so that others could enjoy it as well as us. So uh, uh, Moses intercedes. And intercession becomes a big part of a believer's life. 
right? We spend our lives uh, not just asking God for stuff in prayer, but interceding for others that may not have the same revelation and advantages of the wisdom and knowledge and equipping that God has. And so we're praying, open the eyes of their heart, Lord. Satan, I bind you. I rebuke you. And I release the love of God, the saving grace of God over my family, my loved ones, my friends, and on and on and on. You just take that and run with that for an hour and see where the Holy Spirit leads you. Uh, so Moses intercedes, and, uh, and this is what's so cool about Torah study is because traditional Christianity teaches the Old Testament, God reveals himself as the God of wrath. And it wasn't until the New Testament that we could see the love of God. Well, that's just false teaching. Uh, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he's, the lo- if he's John 3.16... Uh, in the New Testament, he's John 3.16 in the Old Testament. Amen. And so here it is. He manifests himself to Moses. I'll read it to you. In Exodus 34, this again is after this most egregious sin, the sin of the golden calf. In Exodus 34, verse 5, uh, the Lord responded to Moses and came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Notice that. In the midst of the sin, in the midst of the failure, in the midst of the mistake, in the midst of something that is so unthinkable that you would worship a golden calf after all you've just seen coming out of Egypt. And yet that intercession touched the heart of God. That intercession caused the mercies of God, the compassion of God, the graciousness of God to be revealed. And he reveals his name. And these in, in Jewish teaching are called God's 13 attributes of mercy. And these 13 attributes of mercy, he's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to the thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. We serve a good God. We serve a gracious God. We serve a loving God. And he wants to manifest all of those kind of qualities in the relationship you're seeking to develop with him. How many of you are, could testify, if given the opportunity, about the goodness of God? About His amazing grace. About how God came through at a time where you didn't know how it was going to work out. You didn't know what on earth we're going to do. And yet, by a miracle, God came in and showed His faithfulness, showed His love, showed His grace, showed His mercy. Amen. So let's close in prayer together. Father, we love You this morning. 
And we thank you for your amazing grace. We bless you this morning for your goodness, your mercy, your loving kindness that endures forever and ever and ever. And Father, we pray that you let that love and that mercy and that grace just pour out upon us this morning. As we're drawing near to you, draw near to us, draw near to our family, our loved ones, our nieces and nephews, our sons, our daughters, our grandmas and grandpas, everyone in our extended family. We send the love of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God to cover their lives, cover our lives, and lead us into your perfect will. Lead our family into salvation. Let the forgiveness of God flow, the love of God flow, and wash away every sin, every failure, every difficult situation, and just bring your goodness and graciousness in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, if you receive that this morning, give the Lord a big praise. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming to the Torah study. We're in Torah portion number 45. We're heading towards uh, Rosh Hashanah, uh, which is the beginning of the biblical new year. That comes up in September. So we're, we're getting uh, uh, to the end of the Torah studies, and we'll start a new cycle uh, uh, at the end of, uh, well, actually right after Sukkot. But today, um, in this week's study, uh, God gives us a teaching, a scripture that contains the most important prayer in the Old Testament, the most important prayer in Judaism. Uh, And it's uh, contained in the first uh, verse of Deuteronomy 6-4, which says, Hear, O Israel! Not Israel Rodriguez, who uh, is married to April. (laughs) Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And it's this verse uh, uh, that uh, is going to lead us into a teaching here in the last half of the lesson on seven ways you can hear the voice of God. Seven ways you can hear the voice of God. And so uh, uh, we want to start out by touching on the Shema. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. This is the Jewish declaration of faith. We're Judeo-Christians. It's nice to know uh, a little bit about the Judeo part of Christianity. Uh, Some scholars teach that the Shema is like the Jewish Pledge of Allegiance. Amen? It's like the Jewish Constitution, and it describes the principal way uh, that uh, Jews express their commitment to the Lord. They're saying, and uh, by extension, we're saying, Father God, I receive you into my life afresh and anew. I put myself under your authority, and I lean on you and not to my own understanding. 
And so as we pray the Shema, we're establishing what in theological terms is called monotheism. There is but one God. There's not a variety of gods. Amen. There's one God. The God, Lord God Almighty, Hashem, Yahweh, Elohim, Jehovah. And uh, now in the New Testament through His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's been given a name above every name. Amen. That's who we're pledging our allegiance to. And so Judaism as well as Christianity are rooted in this concept, there is but one God. Amen. We're not praying to the saints. We're not praying to Mother Mary. We're not praying uh, uh, to uh, this person, that person. We're, We're not putting our allegiance in men. We're putting our allegiance in the one true God. Amen. And so as we pray the Shema, hear, O Israel, hear, O new beginnings, hear, O Sigmund family, the Lord is our God and the Lord is one. That's conveying our loyalty. Amen. We have a faithfulness to the Lord that's being expressed when we pray and when we pray this particular prayer in particular. It's conveying our loyalty to the Bible, to the Torah, to every biblical principle, every biblical value, every commandment. We pledge our allegiance. Some of it we understand. Some of it we're trying to understand. Some of it we may never understand. But it doesn't matter how much we understand. It matters what our faith says in our heart flowing out of us. I believe in the Lord. And I trust Him with all my heart. And so the Shema makes clear that our number one priority is to know the Lord. Amen. And to make Him the center of everything. Isn't that the challenge of Christianity? How do I come out of 17 years or 25 years or a few years, whatever the no, of living for the devil and then changing my allegiance from living like the world into living for God? How do I work all of that out? Number one, God is your priority. Amen. It's not shopping on Amazon, <laughs> although that's fun. Hey, honey, we got a package at the door. That's a good feeling. It's not not even your children or your grand. Very important. Your number one priority is to know God, to know His ways, and to deepen that intimate relationship with Him so that you can walk in a confidence, you can walk knowing that God is working in me, and uh, because of that, any situation, any decision, whatever's going on in my kids, in my world, in my finances, in my health, God is with me and God is going to help me to overcome. So the bottom line is whether we're a Jew or a Christian, is that without God, nothing else matters. What does it profit a woman, a man, to gain the whole world and yet not 
have a prosperous soul. And really in today's society with the Antichrist going about as a raging lion seeking whom he may devour, you know, we need that knowledge of God. We need that relationship with the Lord. It reminds me of Acts seventeen twenty eight. In Him we live. In Him we move. In Him we have our being. Amen? So the Shema, I, got, I only got three amens actually. Let's try that again. Amen? The Shema is actually three scriptures, and it's, it's, uh, the Shema is on the scroll of what goes in your mezuzah that you mount on the doorpost uh, of your house. The Shema, the written word of God, is uh, uh, in the uh, tefillin that the Jewish men strap and the little leather box on their forehead. It's the Word of God covering their mind. And then when they wrap the phylacteries, the tefillin, around their arm, uh, there's a box containing the Word of God that I'm totally wrapped in the promises of God. And so very symbolic, amen? But the three texts, just, uh, uh, you know, for an educational standpoint, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. This is Israel's personal and individual call to trust in the Lord with all their heart. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. But then there's two other scriptures. The, the next one is Deuteronomy eleven thirteen to 21. And in Deuteronomy eleven thirteen to 21, the Shema is repeated, but there's something unique that God does. He puts it in plural form. All the words, the important words, are in plural form. And it, it's symbolic of addressing the nation. Yes, the gospel is for each and every individual, but in Christianity, sometimes we forget that we need the gospel to cover our nation. It's not just for me, my wife, us two, our two kids, and us four, and no more. It's for our nation. So God says in the Shema, individual, but also corporately as a nation, you need to trust me and realize that if you'll stay one nation under God, I will bless you and keep away the curses. You'll experience the best God has and not the worst. I dare say right now America is going through a real culture war, a spiritual war, and we're seeing a lot of things that are in decline. Our morals are in decline. Financially, we're seeing inflation take away on the average $2,500, maybe $5,000 per family. What the heck is going on? Our nation is getting away from being one nation under God. So all the blessings, all the promises, all the rewards for serving God as a nation are being eroded. They're slipping away. And uh, we're, we're, how many of you realize we're in a battle for our nation? Amen. And so there's consequences. Positive consequences or negative consequences. And so the Shema is a call for personal loyalty. Amen. 
You have that. And now uh, New Beginnings is one of the churches that is trying to rally the community, rally the nation uh, to get back to having a national loyalty. America, don't forget, we're one nation under capital G-O-D. The third uh, scriptures, Numbers 15. In Numbers 15, 37 to 41, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting because in this passage, it's speaking about the commandment, the mitzvah, to wear the zitzits, the talit, the zitzits, the, the, uh, the knots, the strings uh, attached to the Hebrew prayer shawl. And uh, what that uh, symbolizes is it's a physical reminder of the 613 commandments God gave in the Torah. And included in this part uh, is God saying, I need you not just to have a loyalty to the name, of God, Yahweh, Hashem, Elohim, and Yehovah, and all, and Yeshua. I, you need more uh, than just a loyalty to the name. Psalm says that God exalts His word above His name. God exalts His word even above His name. Amen. And so it points us to. Uh, this idea of a closer relationship with the Lord is based on a closer relationship with the Word. Yeah? It seems to get lost. Everybody today wants to have sloppy agape. Everyone today wants to talk about the, the love of God, but excluding what God's Word says. Well, God loves me. He would never judge me for this. God loves me. He would never do this. God loves me. He'll wink or excuse me of all of my behavior. That tells me you don't have a relationship with the Word. If you're, you're talking like that, you don't have a relationship with the Word. Because when you get a relationship with the Word, yes, you learn about the compassion of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercies of God, and all the rest. But it also puts you in touch with the God of law and order. God wants things done decently and in order and not the way that Washington, D.C. or some bureaucrat says this is how you do it. Well, let's compare what you're saying to what God is saying. And where do we find out what God is saying? We go to His Word and we rightly divide the Word of truth so we can apply it correctly in each and every situation. Christianity loses that. We all got that itching ear syndrome trying to attack us. I just want to hear what's nice and good. Give me band-aids and happy juice. And we don't want to hear correction. We don't want to be put in the proper order because I like doing it my way. Well, not thy will, but God's will be done. 
If you don't have a commitment to the Word, you really don't have a commitment to the Lord. You'll have enough to get you into heaven by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin, which is, that's all good. But once you get there, what are you going to say? How are you going to excuse yourself? Why do you think there's tears in heaven? Why does God say, I'll wipe away every tear? Because you realize what you were versus what you could have been. And then you, O-M-G, what was I thinking? (laughs) Amen? So you wouldn't be here watching by Zoom if you didn't have a commitment to the Word. Amen? And so God gives Moses the Shema. And he says it's the greatest of all commandments. This is number one commandment in all of the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God and the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Yeah, see, that's saying in Him we live, in Him we move, in Him we have our being, and without Him we're nothing. It's interesting when, when God gave this to Moses, how He connects the main Shema, Hero Israel, with love the Lord with all your heart. In Ancient Jewish wisdom, that means love the Lord with all your desires, with all your yearning, with all those hopes that are wrapped up deep inside of you, all of your aspirations. Love the Lord and direct all of those things towards Him. Amen? With all your soul speaks to your thoughts. Love the Lord with all your thoughts. Love the Lord with all your willpower. Love the Lord with all your intellect. Love the Lord with a passion, with an enthusiasm. Direct everything towards the Lord. Amen? And with all your strength. Love the Lord with all your strength. That means, uh uh-oh, all your money. Ever hear the rich young ruler? (laughs) He went away dejected. Because he loved his money more than he loved the Lord. He should have known. I can love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength and all my money. And God will reward me because every seed I sow, every good deed that I do, every act of kindness to repair a broken world is going to come back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and overflowing. God is not a taker, God is a giver. But he's saying, be prepared to sow your seed. Amen? That's all-encompassing. That's giving your whole life. That's being fully surrendered. And what's so amazing is Jesus underscores this. We've missed this, Christian. uh, Excuse me, Mark chapter 12, verse 28. A scribe came, and having heard the disciples reasoning together, perceived uh, uh, that, uh, uh, that he needed to ask Jesus a, a, a question, and, and he asked him, which is the first commandment of all? 
Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments, the greatest of all commandments, is hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. That's in the New Testament. He's affirming, certifying, ratifying that the greatest prayer in the Old Testament that God gave to Moses is still the greatest prayer in the New Testament. The Shema. The first of all commandments. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. And you shall love the Lord your God, Jesus said, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. No other singular greater than the plural. Two sides of the same coin. Love God, love people. That's the essence of Christianity. That's the essence of Judaism. All the studying, all the learning, all the praying, all the worshiping, all the going to church, all the reading the books and devotionals and calling people and praying with people. Everything is to build us up in our most holy faith so that we can learn better how to love God and how to love people. Loving God's the easy part. People, (laughs) give me patience, Lord, long-suffering. So when we're praying the Shema, we're praying this commitment. I'm committed to loving God, loving people. That's the essence of why I'm here and what I'm learning to do. But uh, when you look deeper uh, into the Shema, uh, something fascinating is revealed. In that the Hebrew word for Shema means to listen or to hear. Isn't that something? It's written 92 times in the book of Deuteronomy. When Moses is speaking about following God, serving God, obeying the Lord, uh, he uses the word Shema. Hear, O Israel! Shema, O Israel! Listen up, Israel! I looked up, do you have a a, a Strong's Concordance that has the definition of every word in the Bible? Uh, If you don't, it's a neat resource to, to invest in because when you're reading, and it's all based on the King James, so sometimes you've got to have more than just your NIV to figure it out. But the King James Version, every word in the Bible is defined. And when you look up the word Shema in the Strong's Concordance, guess what it means? It means... Obey. In fact, go into all of the words in the Old Testament that say obey, 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 obey. That's the the Hebrew word shema. Obey, shema. But it really means to listen. Obey means to listen. Obey means to hear. And the expanded definition, when you read it in your Strong's, means to hear intelligently. 
OMG, I thought we were supposed to check our brains at the door. I didn't think we were supposed to use our intellect as believers. Wrong, wrong, wrong. We're supposed to hear intelligently. Pay attention, it goes on to define. Discern. We need a spirit of discernment. Give ear to. Incline your ear to certain things. Perceive and understand. All of these words tie into the word Shema. Listen or hear and it all is equivalent to obey. One of my favorite rabbis to read is Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. He went home to be with the Lord uh, uh, several years ago, sadly. Uh, but his essays are still online, and I love reading his essays. He has numerous ones for each Torah study. And uh, it's, if, if you like to go the extra mile in your study, I recommend you read Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. And he, he wrote an essay called The Meaning of the Shema. And here's just an excerpt from it. In Judaism, faith is a form of listening. Shema Israel does not mean hear, O Israel. It means something like listen. Concentrate. Give the Word of God your most focused attention. Strive to understand. This is the rabbi. Engage all your faculties, your intellect, your emotions. Make His will your own will. For what He commands you to do is not irrational or arbitrary. But it's for your welfare, the welfare of your family, and ultimately for the benefit of all humanity. Shema Israel. Amen. So, what, what God is saying to Israel, and what God was saying through the Lord Jesus, He's saying to you and I today, Hear what I'm saying. Where's my grandson? Hear what Saba's saying. Intelligently. With discernment. And with perception. So you'll understand better the covenant relationship you've entered into. So you'll better understand how to serve the Lord. So you'll better understand how to apply the laws and principles and guidelines of God into your life so that you can have a blessed life. That's what God is saying. Shema Israel. God is saying all these things. How many of you have ever heard the saying, listen to your heart? It never lies. Right. As a mature believer, yeah, listen to your heart. But if you're just getting started, or if you're not a believer, listening to your heart might get you in a heap of trouble. <laughs> because the heart can be deceptive. 
Because your heart is hearing from two entities, maybe three. It's listening to the Spirit of God. It's listening, it's like, have you ever seen the, uh, 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 the uh, movies where the angel's sitting on one side whispering and the devil's sitting on the other side whispering? Yeah, that's real. That happens. And your heart, without the Word of God, is not necessarily going to discern intellectually and spiritually, which voice am I supposed to listen to? That's where we get double-minded. But then it's also your own flesh. Within yourself, with devil aside, angel, your flesh wants things. And your flesh demands things. I want another cookie! (laughs) Well, you ate the whole box. There was 12 in a row. Those are gone. (laughs) So we need to realize that mistakenly we can walk in our own feelings, our own emotions, our own attitudes, rather than according to the Word of God. This is why Romans 10.17 teaches, faith proceeds from hearing. Shema! Faith proceeds from Shema! Hearing! As we listen to the message About God's anointed word. Amen? That's how faith comes. So, true listening in the biblical sense requires us to know the word of God. Jesus said in John 10, 17, My sheep will know my voice. Yeah. His voice is his word. I'm following the Lord. Are you? Are you following the Word? Well, all I know is John 3.16. Well, there's a lot more in there than John 3.16. How do I know the voice of the Lord if I don't know the Word of the Lord? The voice of Jesus is God's Word being spoken to us out of the B-I-B-L-E. Amen? Without the Word, how can we constantly and effectively discern right from wrong? It's the main reason Christians get into trouble. We're listening to voices. I hear voices. Okay, okay. honey, there's a heebie-jeebie alert. <laughs> I hear voices. If you listen to the right voice, you'll always make the right choice. Amen? So, uh, as we close today, I want to give you uh, seven ways you can hear the voice of God. Seven ways you can hear the voice of God. I taught this a couple years ago uh, based on an article I was reading on CBN.com. And... The big question seems to be, yes, God is always speaking, but are we listening? Are we shmaing, listening, hearing what God is saying? And the beauty of it is, as we get good at this, whatever challenge we might be facing, whatever problem or issue that we might be facing... 
God can turn that upside down in a moment of revelation. In a moment, He can speak a word that will reverse whatever's coming against you. But a lot of times, it's just we didn't hear. We weren't listening. We were frantic. We were anxious. We were worried. We were this. We were that. Ah, let's get back to slowing ourselves down. Saying, Shema Israel, Shema Sigmund family, Shema, insert your name. I trust in you with all my heart. I know everything is going to be okay. I receive the peace of God. I receive the joy of the Lord. I receive every blood-bought promise into my life. No devil can come against me and separate me from the love of God, the grace of God, the mercies of God. Your flesh might feel frantic. You might feel like you're just going to explode. But I'm not giving in to that side of things. I'm giving in to the peace of God. I'm casting my cares upon the Lord. And I'm listening to the Lord. And that's key number one out of these seven keys to hearing the voice of God. Key number one is listen to God's Word. Key number one, listen to the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 speaks to this. Every scripture has been written by the Holy Spirit. The breath of God. It will empower you by its instruction and correction. Giving you the strength to take the right direction and leads you deeper into the paths of godliness. Then you'll be God's servant. Fully mature. Perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. Amen? Listen to the Word of God. That's from the Passion Translation, BTW. Amen. So, if you didn't get any other key but that one, you're miles ahead from the traditional Christian who is just into the formality of going to church, punching a time card, and saying, God, you you need to honor that. Uh, Yeah, maybe you better get a little more going. Amen. But without knowing God's Word, you can't know God's voice. You can't know His will. And so the question for believers is, are we listening to the Word of God intelligently with discernment? with perception and understanding, so we can rightly divide the word of truth. That requires a little bit more, doesn't it? Just picture this as a classroom, like if you were uh, in 10th grade, and all the students are in the classroom. Some are listening intelligently, and others were like me when I was in high school. When the teacher had their uh, back to the class writing on the chalkboard, we were playing the little connect-the-dot game, making boxes so we could put our letter in. And so then two days before finals, we all, you know, crashed. Right? There's a crash course. We need a crash course. The finals are coming! The rapture is coming! And if all you got's a crash course, it's better than nothing. 
But I don't know how you explain that on your resume. When you're in heaven, everybody has a resume. Have you ever seen Bruce Almighty when he opens the file cabinet and (laughs) it takes him all the way across the warehouse with all the files of his whole life? Holy schmoly. Okay, will that really happen? I think so. Amen. Number two key, listen to the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13 says, When He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, whatever He schmas from the Father, He will speak and He will tell you and I things to come. Have you heard of the still small voice? Don't let the noise of the world drown out the still, small voice of God. Don't let the anxieties and the worries and the stresses of life drown out the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Scott, you need to do this. Scott, listen to me. You need to do this. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to force you into doing anything. You're not a puppet. You have free will. You get to choose right voice, wrong voice, whatever. And so the good news is that God wants uh, to guide you into His blessing. He wants to guide you away from the pitfalls. And He'll even show you things in advance. Oh boy, thank you Lord. You... Ever heard of women's intuition? That speaks of knowing something in advance. The Holy Spirit will help you know things in advance about a relationship you should get in or out of. About a financial deal you should either accept or decline. About a medical condition that you either take His Word or get a second opinion. And on and on and on. Thank you, Lord. For being so good and gracious that you even show us things in advance. Key number three, listen to the prophetic word. God gives words of knowledge, words of wisdom, personal prophecy. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. And don't be the one who scorns prophecies. But be faithful. To examine them by putting them to the test. And afterwards holding tightly to what has been proven right. So you just don't take prophecy hook, line, and sinker. You put it to the test. You run it up the flagpole and see if it flies. Pastor Scott, somebody gave me this prophecy. Uh, Experienced prayer partner, somebody spoke this word over me. Uh, a church leader, uh, uh, I was here, there, and someone gave me this word. Help me discern this word. And you're putting it to the test. And if it gets proven correct, if it matches the word of God, then lay hold of that thing and run with that thing. That's why God gives you pastors and teachers, life group leaders, prayer partners, who even strangers could speak a word over your life, and the next thing you know, in that moment of revelation, the whole course of your life was changed. 
Amen? Key number four, listen to godly counsel. That ties in. Victory is certain, Proverbs eleven fourteen says. Victory is certain when there are plenty of wise counselors. I met a guy on the internet. We were in a chat room on the internet. And he said all these sweet, nice things. And I've been so lonely and I heard these sweet, nice things. And he lives down in Alabama somewhere and he wants me to come for a visit. Where'd so-and-so go, Alabama? Did they talk to anybody before they said, I do? No. I got an eviction notice a few months ago and got money to pay uh, my rent up to date. Uh, And now that I'm paid up, I'm going down to Don Davis Car Company and buy a $48,000 truck. You just got bailed out. They were ready to garnish your check. They were going to repossess your, you kick you out on the street and now you got a $48,000 car payment? Might want to talk to somebody about that first. (laughs) We could go on and on and on. Listen to wise counsel, not just somebody who's got an opinion. Number five, key number five on how to hear the voice of God. Listen for confirmation. Look for confirming signs. Mark 16.20 says, The disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed His Word by the signs that accompanied it. Amen? You'll know a tree by its fruit. And God will confirm certain things in your life. So be on the lookout for that. Right? That's why we pray for eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. Reveal things to me, Lord. Counsel me on this, that, or the other thing. I need that guidance and direction in my life. And then all of a sudden you're... Your subconscious, your mind, you know, you'll get responses. And then your duty is find the wise counselors or go to the Word yourself. Well, that might take me a couple hours. You, you expect me to go through the Bible for a couple hours? I'm going to miss my favorite TV shows. Suit yourself. Key number six, got to wrap this up. Listen for the peace of God. You're making a big decision in your life. Do I, do I take out this uh, $200,000 mortgage? Do I move to the place where the rent is $2,800 a month because I need a few extra square feet? I mean, there's financial, there's legal, there's medical, there's family things that are coming at us like water out of a fire hose. I need the peace of God. I surrender, Lord. I need your peace. Colossians 3.15 says, The peace that Christ gives is to guide you in the decisions you make. 
Think about that. The peace is the sign. When I have the peace of God and I'm not fretting, I'm not anxious, I'm not worried, I'm not pacing the floor. Oh, my God! All of a sudden, there's a calmness. It may seem like a storm out there, but in my heart, I'm calm. I'm poised. I know God's got this. I'm not in a panic. I'm not going to go into frantic mode. The peace that I have in making that decision is what guides me in that decision. That's decision making uh, made easy. Uh, It's like God, God's peace is like the umpire that calls balls and strikes. Yeah? You know when you're on target, you know when you're off base. When things are right, when things are wrong. It's the peace of God. It's confirmation you're on the right track. Finally, key number seven, we got to get out of here. Oh my gosh. Listen for divine timing. God wants to do a whole lot of things in our lives, just not everything's going to happen by Friday. Right? Proverbs 3 Verses 5 and 6 out of the Message Bible. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go. And He's the one that will keep you on track. Amen? That, that's the Shema summed up. It's a declaration. I can't trust in myself, Lord. I trust in you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength. And I'm trusting you to download into me all the information that I need to proceed with peace and joy and blessing and all the the things that uh, you promise. So trust in the Lord. Trust in His Word. Listen for His direction. Amen. God wants you to succeed. uh, But the key to succeeding is Shema. Listen, Scotty. (laughs) Did you hear me, Scotty? Where's my grandson? (laughs) Listen up with intelligence, with discernment, with perception, with understanding. And God will open great doors for you moving forward. Amen? Can you say amen this morning? God bless you. Have a great morning. Glad you came out. Be blessed.